2 Corinthians 1 verse 4, God comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. He never promised easy. I say it all the time. He never said this life was easy. He said, you will have troubles. He said he'd be with us. Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope found in Jesus. I'm Robin, and I am here with Lindy and Katie, and we are your podcast hosts. And you know, this month on all of our podcast episodes in January, we've been telling you a little bit about all the different facets of Storytellers Live that we've been telling you about the podcast. We've told you about the Bible studies. And today I want to tell you a little bit about our communities and what happens. Storytellers actually started five years ago in my den with the idea of women sharing stories to bring vulnerability and break down walls and build community and share the hope of Jesus. And that idea really has taken off. And we're now in 12 cities. Um, you hear each week on the podcast, our, these stories that we share come from our live gatherings. We are from Texas to Montana to Mississippi, Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, all around. And we even have three new communities that we're bringing you this spring. So you'll hear one more community in Birmingham, which is Trustful, Alabama. You'll hear from Oxford, Mississippi. And you will hear from Fairhope, Alabama, which is right by Mobile. And so we love bringing on new communities, largely because God then breaks down walls and Mm -hmm. builds community Uh in cities. And that's the heart of what we do. And he brings hope, hope through stories. And so today we are bringing you a story from our Auburn Opelika community. And her name is Mandy Trawick. And again, it's a great story for January. We've had story after story, I feel like, that's kind of building faith mm-hmm. for January. And so, Katie, tell us a little bit. Yeah, you know, God always lines up when these stories air on the podcast. And we've been holding Mandy's story for a while just for the perfect time. And I do think January is a great time for, yeah. for someone to hear the struggles that someone's gone through in marriage. You know, through Mandy's story, she does lightheartedly talk about just struggles of marriage and going through a divorce and, and dating again. But all of that, honestly, is is spoken through the lens of God walking alongside her and honestly preparing her for the struggles that were about to lay ahead for her. So, you know, we never want to talk about divorce, but the sweet thing is, is that our Lord walks alongside us no matter what it is that we're walking through. And so I think that Mandy's story is going to encourage you in that way. So here she is. Before Mandy's story, we do have two quick reminders. The first is Robin will be hosting a Discover Your Story workshop via Zoom on January the 31st from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central Time. So Robin, tell us about that. You know, I get the privilege of sitting alongside our communities and coaching our storytellers along with our communities. And so this is a workshop where I do the same thing for you. We have a Discover Your Story journal, and we walk through the process of finding God in your story, of even if you don't know your story, of finding that. And so it's one of my favorite things is to sit with women, to sit with you all and find God in your story. And so that's what we'll do for two hours. It's a lot of writing, a lot of listening. It's the best time that you can set aside for yourself. And space is limited, and we've already had such a great response. So click the link in our show notes. What are show notes, you ask? <laughs> show notes are the right below the podcast description, wherever you're listening to the podcast right now. If you'll just scroll, 
you can see the link that will allow you to register. You can also go to our website at storytellerslive.org, and it's right there on the homepage under live events. The second thing I want to remind you of is if you have not joined Patreon this month, we have an audio devotion of Jehovah Jireh, the provider that Katie has done such a beautiful job, and then also continue the conversation on last week's story, which was Nicole Baker from Tupelo, Mississippi. So again, click those show notes links or go to our website at Story tellerslive.org. Here's Mandy. I'm the oldest of four siblings. I'm thankful to say she's the oldest and the bossiest. I've got one brother that's two and a half years younger, a brother that's nine years younger, and a sister that's 11 years younger. Same mom and dad, they just went back for more. And so my sister and brother have younger kids, and so I've got older kids. So when we go back all of my Montgomery people and all my friends are like, just tell us who's throwing up when you go home because <laughs> they all have kids that are catching stuff at daycare. So my children bring apple cider vinegar when we go home so we can down it. So if somebody's throwing up, we can maybe cure it before we get home. My growing up, my mom and dad are believers. My, my family's, I'm, I'm so blessed and I know that. I don't remember not being a believer. So I don't have that story of, oh, the light shined. I I don't. I I grew up with it. My mom and dad were just so active, and my siblings, I just was blessed, and I know that. My dad would tell me growing up, because I'm fast, I'm Tigger, he would say, Miss Mandy, can you just be still? Can you just sit with us? Do you have to go all the time? I mean, you know, just be still. And um, y'all, if he said it once, he said it a million times. And so um, I just remember that growing up. I came from a family of Mississippi State fans. Like my granddaddy rode on the plane with the baseball team. And my whole family went to Mississippi State. And I went to my dad and said, well, I think I'm going to go to Ole Miss. And he was very, my dad's very calm, very sweet. And he said, he calls me Miss Mandy, and he calls my sister Miss Courtney. And it, I don't know why, but it's so loving. I, I love it, but he, I don't even remember the last time he called me Mandy. He says, Miss Mandy. Um, and he said, Miss Mandy, if that's your choice, that's fine. I'll move you there, and I'll come back and get you when you come home. <laughs> and so I didn't expect anything more than that. I can't even remember if he came because it wasn't that important to me. He, he was fine with me going. He, Still does not like Ole Miss, but that's okay. I will say, when I left Ole Miss, I, I met my husband at Ole Miss when we were there, and I'm, we got married, and we moved to Montgomery, and so some of these sweet friends are from Montgomery tonight, but um, lived there for 17 years, and you envision your life, especially if you have parents like mine and siblings like mine, to be just like them, just the sweet Mama stayed home every day. She took care of me. You know, I just envisioned that's what it was like. I never envisioned anything other than that. So I will say, you know, as a believer, I probably wasn't like I am. And I know I wasn't like I am in my faith now. I was a believer. It was more probably of a religion than a relationship at that point. So, you know, I did all the right things. But you start to get real close to Jesus when you have no control. And so I'm going to tell you a little bit about me not having control. I was that girl that thought, you work hard, you succeed. You work hard, I was a pharmaceutical rep, you get bonuses. You work hard, you go to President's Club. I mean, you work hard at anything, you succeed. Well, I was married for a little bit, and and we wanted to get pregnant, and we could not get pregnant. 
for years. And so I was going through infertility. And I, it took me a while to understand that I was not in control. I, I would look at my watch and say, it's time. Are you at the farm? I'll come over there by you. Can you kick everybody out? I'll stand on my head for a little bit, and then we'll, we'll, we'll be done. You know, <laughs> let's get this done. And it was not happening. So my friends were praying for me, and, and they had all had probably children at this point. And so I just prayed and prayed and prayed. And I finally, after about two and a half years, I'm a little off on the years, but they said, let's do Humagon shot. So any of you that have done infertility or have been there, those are the, I don't even know what they do. I can't remember exactly, but they gave me the first round of shots. And I can remember... And back then, that was probably different now, but in like two weeks, you would take a test on a certain day, and you would know you were pregnant. So my husband went to the farm to hunt, and then my mama came and her sister, and they knew that when I woke up the next morning, I would see if I was pregnant or not. And I'd had so many months of disappointment after disappointment, so I think my mama just wanted to be there with me. And I looked at it, and I was pregnant. And I called my husband, who was at the farm um, at the time, and I said, um, hey, are, are you up in a tree? And he said, yeah. And I said, you buckled? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, I'm pregnant. And there was silence. And I was like, you still there? You buckled? <laughs> so anyway, but it's God's timing. It's not my timing. I had a perfect, wonderful baby boy. Um, I think I counted his fingers and toes. You can witness to that a hundred times. Just, I couldn't believe he was mine. I couldn't believe that God said, you can have him to raise. And so I've never taken it for granted. It's, if you've gone through infertility, you know it's, it's hard. And it's hard on a marriage, and it's hard just all over. So that was my first. I was on my knees. We were tight. Then life started happening. You know, and, and you do. You, you, it goes up and down. I know that happens. Not as much now. I stay pretty close these days. But um, second time, I will say, in first grade, I went through anxiety and did not want to leave my mama at all. And so I went to a Presbyterian day school. My first grade, I would cry. My mama would cry. The first grade teacher would cry. The headmaster would cry. The principal would cry. They prayed for me in devotional before school for a year. And so my mom would pull me home and she'd say, do you just really want to vacuum and dust with me all day? I was like, yes, please. I want to do that. So I got through it in a year and was fine. I started getting check marks and self-control. My mom and dad were high-fiving like, there she goes. She's good. But my son, the apple does not fall far from the tree, though in first grade did the same thing. But his was throwing up in the car on the way to school, holding on to me, wouldn't let me go. And we were in Montgomery at the time, and I was pregnant with John Spencer. So, and when your child has anxiety, again, you don't have any control. You you don't know how to, you just can't do it. So they said, you can't bring them anymore because we're having to pull them off of you. And I was pregnant with John Spencer, so their dad would have to bring him. And then the principal called me, and she said, hey, we're going to have to call in the child whisperer. I was like, and I've heard of a horse whisperer, but I mean, okay. So luckily, they said, she's so busy, I don't know when we'll get you in. We got in that day. So we went to this child whisperer, 
And we got in there, and she said, I'd like you to video what happens from beginning to end when you take him to school. And I was like, all right. So we videoed it. And, I mean, he threw up. He was screaming. It was from the beginning to end. And it was not a defiant. He truly was that anxious. It it wasn't an ugliness. He was just scared to death. It was an anxiety. So we watched it with her. And she was like, why does this video keep turning on and off? like pausing on and off, and we started laughing. I was like, that could be when we screamed at him. Um, and she was like, okay, I understand, and she started laughing because, I mean, we had to get control somehow. So, But she said, I want you to change up what you're doing every day. So I was like, okay, and she said, why don't you read to him in the mornings? Why don't you just do everything different? And I thought, if we're going to read... We're about to get out God's Word, and we are going to do that every day. So this was, Beau was in first, Hampton was in kindergarten, John Spencer was not born. Um, So we started from that point on doing a devotion together, and then Elle has the um, cards, they're called Sweet as Honey cards, and they're Bible verses, and they have their name on them. So like they would say... Hampton, obey your father and mother, for this is a commandment. I mean, it just spoke to them. So they each would read theirs, and then I would read mine, and then we'd pray. And eventually, the anxiety left, and we've been doing that ever since. I sent the boys, the older ones that have left, theirs when they left for college and ordered them some new ones for for that age. But y'all, they had peanut butter and jelly on them. They had honey. They had cereal, and I loved them. They were well-loved cards. So... That started just, a, that's the sweet side of struggling, is just we did, we've done that every day. We still do it with John Spencer, it's just us, it's kind of sad, um, but John Spencer will read his, Todd and I have one, and then we'll do a devotion, and I'll pray, and, and then we will go about our day. Those are two struggles. Um, when we moved to Auburn probably in 2011, Bo was probably 14, 15 Hampton was about two and a half years younger, and then we had John Spencer, and he was he was little. And I just felt God was pulling me to just come to him more and more and more. I was listening to Andy Stanley, and then I'd listen to the sermon we were going to, and then I'd listen to Church of the Highlands, and then I was reading like five devotionals. And it was like craving chocolate. I couldn't get enough. And I cannot explain why, except for he was armoring me up. And so I really, like, I mean... I just couldn't get enough, and it was it was probably for about a year that I just was craving it. And so, I will. I'm going to read you a few verses as we go through this that meant something to me. But James four ten, humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up. Luke one twenty eight, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. And I'm a little fuzzy on dates, but um, soon after that, I noticed just a difference. I was that girl, and I will will tell any of the young ones here, I was that girl that thought my family was perfect. And not not really perfect, but I thought my marriage was perfect. Not perfect, that's a strong word, but I didn't think anything was wrong. I thought everything was normal. I thought that's how it was supposed to be. And I will say, I probably did not appreciate my marriage enough. I didn't appreciate my family unit enough because I did not realize how fast it can go away if it's not nurtured and taken care of. So I, at the end of the year, I 
felt something was wrong, but I, I truly didn't know what it was. And I, I just thought, this is midlife, you know, some, something's wrong. But I couldn't, I guess my head didn't want to go there, I don't know. But we took the boys to Disney World for Christmas. And um, I'm probably the only person in the world that doesn't think it's the happiest place on earth. But <laughs> So we go, and we take the boys, and y'all, it rained the entire time we were there. And something, I felt like an elephant was on my chest the whole time. Just something was wrong. And I, I could not pinpoint it. I couldn't tell what it was. I even went to the bathroom and cried. And y'all, I'm not a, I'm not a big crier, so if I'm crying, something's really wrong. But... I would go in there and cry, and I just felt so heavy, and I, I didn't know what it was. And so we came home a day early from Disney World. Who does that? Nobody does that. I am going to tell you how wonderful God is in that he put my one of my best friends. At the time, I was doing the foundation and physician recruitment, and I hired one of my dearest friends who had been through something like me a year before, in the position, and she was there the day I came back from Disney World. So that was her first day. And we came back, and um, he, my husband didn't say anything the whole way home, really, very little. And we came back, and I said, if you, if you can't talk to me, I understand, but, you know, please talk to someone. So he came back, and I, y'all, I had, I was getting ready for dinner. I mean, I, I thought, this is going to be good. We, we're, everything's going to be good. And he came back and very quickly told me that my marriage was not what we thought, what I thought. So, um, and it happened within minutes. And he left. He did call one of my dearest friends, Mary Lee, and told her to get to the house Um, within seconds. I think she was there. But those are just your sweet friends that are there, and you can sit in silence and say nothing because they know what you're feeling, and they're probably feeling it too. And we sat there for a minute. I remember putting my head down because I'm a fainter. And just keeping my head down for a minute. And we just sat there. And then I called my mom. You can always call your mama if you're blessed enough to have her there. And I, she was not there. And so I called my dad. And y'all, he just kept saying over and over again, be still. Be still, Miss Mandy. Be still. And y'all, that's all he said. I, th- I think he said it for 10 minutes was, be still. Just be still. And what great words to tell someone that's hurting is just be still because your mind is going in a million different directions. Your mind just, it's like, what am I, I going to do? I mean, you're panicked and you just kept saying that over and over again. My mom came the next day. That night, the older boys kind of knew what was going on. John Spencer was like six or seven. But I remember being in the bed and rocking John Spencer, and the other two were in the bed with me. And all we remember, the older boys and I remember, is I just kept saying, Jeremiah 29, 11, God has great plans for us, plans to prosper us, not harm us, and give us a future. And I think I said it over and over and over again. And that's all they remember. That's all I remember. Everything else is a little fuzzy. My mom said when she got there, I I, didn't, I was not talking. I was in shock. And if anybody, a lot of you, when you go through something, you're in shock and you, you don't know how to react. Um, I was quiet. She said, you were just in a fog. And so that's where I was for a few days. She came and she brought me a book. My mom, my mom's mom went through a divorce and she had a book called The Sweet Side of Suffering. 
and she had written all in it, um, and she gave it to my mama to give me. She passed away a month later, but she gave me that book, and it's the sweetest. Elle has it, and she's passing it around, but it, it just was, I read it once when it happened, and it, I was still in shock, so it, I didn't get it completely. I read it again, and y'all, I'm not a reader, so these three books are probably what I've read my whole life. But I read it again, and then I read it again, and and then I started seeing just the sweet. It, it is such a precious book. Eleanor said I've sent it to her three times by accident, um, and so she's passed it around to others. So it's just the gift that keeps on giving. I know Amazon is like I don't know what's happening in Auburn, Alabama, but wow. Um, and so um, I gave it to Mary Lee, and she wrote notes in it. And I realized I gave her the wrong one. I gave her mine instead of the ones I was giving around. I was like, you got to give it back. And she said, my notes are in it. And I was like, I don't care. It's my book. <laughs> and, and then I will say during it, you know, the, the Hillary um, Scott song, That Will Be Done, I would sing it to the top of my lungs in the car all the time and walking. I, uh, y'all, I'm a crier when I walk because that's my probably my time to be by myself. And I would cry walking. In Grove Hill, you probably saw me crying, listening to it. And the words are, I know you're good, but this is not good right now. And I just can remember talking to him thinking, this is this is not what you want. You love marriage. Why are, why are you not fixing this? And then you just kind of start to think, your will be done. I will do what you tell me, and I'll hang in here, and I'll do this. And then um, another book that I, that, there's the prayer drive us too, and then the Let It Be. A friend of mine from Ole Miss sent me this Let It Be book, and she was from a sorority at Ole Miss, and it was just such a good book, and it gave such an example of Jesus Christ being, she would run with him, and she would say, Coach J.C., Coach Jesus Christ. And she would get up, and she'd be like, where are we going today? I mean, that was her friend. She was running with him. She talked to him, and I just thought, this is my friendship. This, this, is, this is what you are to me. And so it turned into a relationship. That's my best friend. Let's go run. Let's go, let's go do this. And I didn't know it, but that book she sent me, I got to the end, and I started recognizing the names from Ole Miss, you know, just some of the names that I knew, and I thought, okay, this is the sorority sister that wrote this. And so I called my friend. I was like, this is not Katie Scott. This is Katie Ridgway to me, and it was. And so she had been through this, and so I called Katie, and I was like, wow, I don't know if it's good. I knew that you didn't write it before, but, I mean, this is what is so incredible. So if y'all get a chance, she's very talented. You can Google her. She's just incredible. So... I will tell you, some people ask, you know, what were the boys doing during this time? I, you know, Bo had to grow up very quickly. He was 15. So, and I, I'm going to give their dad so much credit right now in that he and I both just taught respect to those boys, and he was right there. And, y'all, we had them shaking hands with men when they were two and three years old. Now, they may have had a competition and had ribs all over their hands, but they learned respect and I I thank him for that because these boys were so kind to both of us and I I will say that was our number one during this process was they never need to see ugly they never need to see anything other than kindness and respectfulness and so we prayed for that 
and he provided. Um, so to this day, I mean, I had somebody say, did I see your ex-husband walking your dog, Todd's dog? And I'm like, yeah, that was right. That's it. Um, so God is good and God is faithful. Um, so I just want to put that out there. But Bo just grew up fast. He, he saw me in shock. He knew I wasn't well. I lost, you know, weight just like everybody else. But he jumped in and at night he would lock the doors. He learned how to grill. He mowed the yard. I never asked. He just took on that role. And, and to this day, he still is, he, he just got to be the man of the house. And so eventually, I can remember traveling two or three months after that, and he was yelling at the other two. And I was like, all right, I need my parenting reins back. Um, you've, done, you've done a great job, but give it back to me now. So he did that, but, I mean, Hampton is my middle child. Middle children are the peacemakers. They smile, most of them, Todd's a middle child, so I know, but smiling all the time, just, just that loving on me, you know, he's just the happy one, and he still is like that. John Spencer was little, so he was six or seven. I think he cried every night for about a year and a half to two years. You know, it's hard on, he didn't understand. Um, and then in church, we would go to church, and for some reason, he's so tenderhearted that when the music would start, he would start crying. And he cried the whole time we were singing. And so a lot of you would sit behind me and go, there he goes, all right. And the, and the boys knew it, and I knew it. And then when we quit singing, he would get it together. But, y'all, he did that for about two years. And then that one day... His palms came open, and he started singing, and I cried the whole service. Um, but I looked at him, and I thought, okay, we're, we're good. This is just a sweet story. And again, you see the sweet side. If you pray for it on anything that happens, you will see the sweet side. But um, right afterwards, we have two benches and then two chairs on the end. And so it always was two of them on a bench, the other one, and then mom and dad on the ends. Well... We were sitting during dinner, and John Spencer started crying again, y'all. He, he just so tenderhearted, and I was like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And he was like, nobody's on my bench. And um, so very quickly, from then on out, it was two people on a bench, one on one side and one on the other, and the other bench was empty. But I just his brothers were like, well, we'll fix that right now. Look, we'll just fix it. So I will say, and this is just a recap, but in times of trouble, this is what helped me. I don't know that it would help everybody, but memorize scripture. I'm not real good. I'm not going to know everything verbatim. Sometimes I kind of wing it, but you get the picture with the, with the verses. Praise if you don't feel like it. Just keep praising. And it's so hard. Keep singing. Keep praising. Turn the music on. I can remember when this happened. I wanted everything bad and evil to go away. So I turned off the news. I was a People magazine. Y'all, I knew everything happening to the celebrities before this happened. Everything. I quit it. I put it up. Anything that would, that would mess with my mind, was, I, I just wanted scripture. I just wanted, that's where I was. And so you just, I just kept praising, even though I didn't feel like it. And just a couple on. Um, I will say, have your children memorize scripture, because they're going to need it too. Um, I, Bo told me I could tell this, but I'm, so I'm going to. But um, I had lunch with him the other day. He's 22. And I said, 
we, it was a great lunch. It was just us. And he looked at me and he goes, you know our life first? And I was like, yes, Jeremiah 2011. And, you know, I said it with such gusto. And then he pulled up his sleeve and on his bicep, which was very big, because um, he's been in CrossFit. It was Jeremiah 2911, but it wasn't just Jeremiah 2011. It was the whole verse. And, um, and so all I did was look at him. I, 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 y'all, I mean, I did a bunch of wows. Wow, wow, wow. And I, I, just, I, just, I just kept saying, I, I couldn't say anything else. And then I looked at him, and I was like, did it hurt? Um, and he said, a little. And I said, okay, well, you know your bicep's not going to look like that forever, right? <laughs> and he said, Mom, do you know how many people have seen this and asked me the story? And I said, you were my rock, and you taught me this verse, and how many people I've brought to Christ because of this. He had me at... Look how many people. I mean, you know. So what do you say? You just, he's 22. But, I, but it is, it, now I still see it. it. I don't look at it as much now. I mean, for the first week, I was like. Um, but anyway, um, so, and then, and then a, a therapist. I did do Christian therapy, and I put the boys in it too. So I'm a, I'm a firm believer in you got to talk to somebody, and, and it was, it was I think I did it, y'all, for t- two and a half years, and if she didn't retire, I'd probably still be going to her. You know, she'd walk me through all of this, but she also walked me through dating, too, and so it was, it was very good, but um, she said, Mandy, because I would have days in, where my heart would be so heavy, and it would be in the middle of a work day, but I, I just felt so heavy, and she said, go somewhere quiet and pray, write it down, and then give it to him. Just give it to him. And so it worked. I mean, I would go home, I would cry, I would give it to him, and then I'd walk off. I would pull it together, straighten up my makeup, and go back to work. I don't know. Those those things worked for me. I'm going to read a few verses that just really helped me. Philippians 4, 6, and I think you all know them probably well, but do not be anxious about everything, about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. Isaiah 55, 8, 9, and, and this one I have to say all the time. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are your ways higher and your thoughts higher than my thoughts. Philippians 4, 8, you know, we all have bad days, and we all kind of go in that place. And so Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, I love the word lovely, um, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think about these things. And I do, I mean, I can remember thinking, go to that verse, because I'm, I'm sad, and I'm struggling, and so that's not where he wants me to be, so let's, let's pull ourselves out of it. I will say the sweet side of suffering, one of the sweetest parts of this are my sweet friends. Um, we had a group that was amazing. God just, of course, he gave me the Delia who worked with me a year before, but we all were like dominoes, and it's not fun, but it, we had each other. Um, Ashley McCreary's not here tonight, but she said, y'all had such a precious friend group. Nobody wanted to do what it took to be part of your group. But y'all, y'all just had each other, and it was just amazing. 
you know, we would pull each other out of that spot. We would, um, when it happened to Delia, I brought her sour cream chicken, white rice. You know, Southerners, we, we think food's going to fix everything. So white rice, sour cream chicken, green beans, and sour cream, and I think I said that, and then cookies and wine, a bottle of wine. So I brought that to her. It happened a year later to me. She brought me the same dinner a year later. You know, we, we did casseroles down there. We did lots of those. I brought Mary Lee some casseroles. She brought them right back to me, the ones I took her. A few months later, she said, I think you need these more than me. But, you know, that's just, that's just where we were. We just did for each other. So... Iron sharpens iron, for sure. And I, I, I do want to tell you a funny story. So I was, it probably been about two year, year and a half, two years. And, and you do go through this and you think, what's wrong with me? Is it me? Is it, am I not pretty enough? Am I not smart enough? Am I not, what did I do? And, and you do, I mean, I did it forever. Like, nobody's going to want me. I mean, you know, even though I desperately would love to have a companion, I'm a little damaged. So I can remember going to work and praying on the way to work and saying, Lord, I just need a little something, just a little something. I'm, I mean, you're curing cancer. you got things to do, I know, but I mean, I just need a little something. Not, not much. I'm not telling you what to do, but I mean, just a little something. So um, that day, I went to lunch and with a friend, and we sat there, and, and I had not flirted at y'all. You have to have those real conversations with friends. Delia was mine. She was like, lose the sweaters and the scarves. Show, <laughs> show some arm, maybe a little bit, let, and let that hair grow out. You know, the, those, are, those are real conversations that you start to have with friends. I probably didn't want to hear it. but um, So she was at lunch with me, and I didn't really know how to flirt well at all. I'd forgotten. And so we go to lunch, and we're at Tzatziki's, and it's pretty. It's a pretty day outside, and there's this man to the left and of me. And so we're talking, and Delia's talking, and um, I think Delia was like, bless her. I'm going to give her this one. Um, <laughs> she needs it more than me. We were sitting there, and, and she laughed, and he looked at me, and um, y'all are so cheesy, but it happened. <laughs> And I think we gave each other our cards. And then he said, can you take down those sunglasses so I can see your pretty eyes? So, JC, I so fell for it. I mean, I was like, you know, batting my eyelashes. I was like, oh, this feels great. So then we got up and he said, we got up and he goes, do you, does it bother you how conservative this town is? And y'all, I got a red lipstick, a cardigan, pearls. I probably had a Bible in my hand. And I said, I love how conservative this town is. And so we got in the car. I, I screamed like a little girl when I got in. I looked behind me. He heard me scream. He was behind my car. Um, and so I looked down. I didn't have his card. I don't know his name. I couldn't remember his name because I was so nervous. And so we get, finally, I pull myself together and I call a friend and she goes, what did he look like? And I said, he looked like Jesus. Okay. He had, y'all, he did. He had, it looked Greek. I mean, I don't know what Jesus looks like, but I mean, it looked like the pictures. Um, I never heard from him. So y'all, that little something did it for me for a little while. Um, I just thought, okay, that was fun. So I, I didn't get very good at it after that, but still, it was fun. But within it, you know, during that year, I will tell you, I did 
I wanted peace. I wanted joy. I, I'm that girl that sold the hospital for a living. I, I try to get people here. And, and for a little while, I wasn't feeling real happy. So before, you know, for a few months, I would have to pray and say, you got to jump in me today because I don't feel happy. And it's hard to sell when you don't mean it right now. And I didn't. So I can remember praying and saying, just do this for me. Just, just hop in me and just let me be, let your light shine through me just through these visits. And he did it. I would have these candidates and y'all, they'd be nearly married. She'd be breastfeeding. I mean, all the stuff. And I want to go, you just wait till midlife. You know, (laughs) I'm thinking that in the back of my head. Um, But he jumped in and I will say the first one I had, I just prayed really hard because I wasn't feeling it. And when I dropped them off, it was a husband and wife, both of them physicians. And when I dropped them off, she said, what's the next step? Because we want to be here. And I thought, okay, I didn't do that because I was not feeling it. But they left, and I remember pulling in a parking lot and just crying because I was so worn out from doing it. But I also knew he took care of that. And and he had to do it a lot. So um, you pray for it. You will receive it. I did Freedom Group at Highlands. Y'all, I got in a mass. I went to a forgiveness class with McLeod. I mean, I was doing anything I could to get my heart and my soul back to the way it was. I just wanted that. So I was reaching for it, and it did. The more I prayed, I got it. I got that freedom. I got that, you know, just that respect back. I got that forgiveness. Um, It just, it was a blessing. So... Ephesians 3.20, and and I think of Ashley McCrary every time I say this verse, because at 3.20 we're supposed to pray for Ashley. But um, now unto him who can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that works within us. I love that verse. I I love words like, I love lovely and exceedingly and abundantly and and all those words. So that is is one of our verses too. I'll jump, I'll fast forward, I think I've been two and a half years, maybe, I don't really know, but around then, my heart was pretty healed. I did tell God, you're going to have to drop him from the sky, because I'm not good at it, clearly, I'm not good at this, I'm not good at, I was scared to date, Um, and so I was over one woman in shoes at the time in the foundation, it was, and we were doing a fundraiser for breast cancer. And and then doing the physician recruitment, too. So what we did was we had shoe guys, and some of you know about it. Some of you have seen them. But um, they would help raise money. They were all very cute, very fun. They raised money. you got to know they were cute and fun. Um, and they would agree to raise money, and then that night they would, they would help, too. So I had a friend. They were like, this is your last year doing it, and you... Um, have so many precious, cute, married men up there being shoe guys, but no single ones. And I thought, well, if I knew them, I would probably try to date them, and I don't know any. Um, So another friend said, you know what, let me help you. And so they gave me some names. Um, and I, y'all, I love a cold call. I'm weird. I'm, I'm in, you know, sales, so I just called all of them. I didn't care. And one of them was Todd Treadwick. So I called Todd, and I was like, you don't know me. My name is Mandy Trawick. I'm, you know, and I told him what I needed. I was asking him if he wanted to be a shoe guy. And um, 
he was like, sure. I mean, he had no idea what he was getting himself into. But um, he said, sure, I'll do it. So I handed him over to the assistant of the foundation after that. I, I did not talk or coordinate any of the rest of it. It was through emails. That was probably February or March. In August, we had a meet and greet with these shoe guys to try and just let them meet each other and tell them what they were going to do. And y'all were there, there, there were 35 of them, and they were all very very charming, fun, and nice. It was like herding cats. They, you know, it was hard because they they were social and I was trying to get them to meet. And so um, I didn't really talk to them that much. I saw him and I met him, but I didn't really get to talk to him. So we had our meeting. And then in October was the event. And I talked to him at the event for a minute. And then um, we went after the event, I think, you were at my house spending the night, and Elizabeth Adams spending the night, and I think you were kind of concerned about me dating at that point, and she said, do you know anybody? Have you met anybody? I was like, well, there is this one guy I saw tonight, um, and I don't know if he's dating anybody, and I did. I, I said, he's so tall and cute, and you know. So anyway, the next week, I went, um, I was at a friend's house, and we were eating sushi, and I I was feeding the homeless the next day in Columbus with Church of the Highlands. And so I got some stuff from Rana, I think, um, facial stuff and just stuff like soaps and toothpaste. You know, I was trying. So I said, he's a dental rat. Surely he has some toothpaste and toothbrushes. <laughs> so I texted him and I was like, hey, um, it's Mandy. And, you know, do you have this? And he goes, I'm a dental manufacturer rep. I have drills. Um, but I don't. <laughs> I don't have toothbrushes and toothpaste, but um, but will you go out with me Saturday night? Y'all, again, scream like a little girl. I was with Delia. She promptly took my phone from me and said, you cannot text immediately back. <laughs> I was like, are you medicated? This is the first person I've been interested in, and you're going to take my phone. But anyway, so we went out, and um, not to be weird, but I mean, we just gazed all night long I've, I've never that, that was just unbelievable we couldn't get to know each other enough um we stayed up to 1 in the morning y'all I didn't even know what happened in Auburn at 1 in the morning I do now but we just could not get to know each other enough um and so now we dated for two years we've been married for three years we have six kids two grandchildren and a dog and I have a beautiful um, bonus daughter-in-law that's here tonight. I have another bonus daughter-in-law and a bonus stepdaughter. So I, I didn't know the girl world um, at all, but now I have somebody to share it with. So it has just been, you know, not that it's easy because it's not easy. And I, I do want to say I, I, I think God can do anything in a marriage. Um, I prayed for it. But you got to have two willing people and two people that are praying to fix it but I do think God can do miracles and I prayed for that so I do want to say that as people that are struggling just pray and 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 you can fix a marriage um but you do have to have just like friendships you do have to have two willing people um the grass is not greener the grass gets complicated so worth it but it does. I mean, you, you, you start blending, and, and, and it is. It's hard, but it's, it's so worth it. This verse, I'm going to end it with some of this, but 
2 Corinthians 1, verse 4, God comes alongside us when we go through hard times, and before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. He never promised easy. I say it all the time. He never said this life was easy. He said, you will have troubles. He said, he'd be with us. And so this is my story today. It's still being written He's still got his hand on. I know there are going to be troubles. We have aging parents. We have a lot, but he said he'd be with us. And so I'm, I've gotten to see the sweet side, and I've gotten to see the beauty of just yuck um, and brokenness. And it is just, it has. It's been, it's been beautiful to watch if you're looking for it. Thank you for letting me speak. You know, one of the things that Mandy said at the end of her story is just life is not easy and that you're going to have struggles, but God promises that he'll be with us. And, and you know, God is so sweet in the fact that he prepared her for what she was about to walk through a year before it happened. When he gave her, she talked about it, a craving is what she said. She It was a craving for his word. She even used the reference like chocolate. She just <laughs> couldn't get enough of him. And I think about, you know, in my own walk of just, you know, not really knowing the Lord and asking God to give me a desire to read yeah. his word and how he just came through with that. And I don't know about you guys, but like a lot of times when I start getting into God's word, it's like the time goes by so fast and I'm just like, I don't want it to end because it is such a special, special time with the Lord. So I loved that God gave her that to have something to fall back on when she walked through something that she was so blindsided from. I had no idea that's what was going on in her story of where she was headed in her story when I first started listening to it and just how he prepared her for it. And then... I have to say, just with her dad, not only did she go back to God's word, but just Lindy and I both thought that this was just so powerful, but just how her dad said, Miss Mandy, be still. And that that is God's word, be still. But just how our mind can go so many different directions. And that was what he said. Well, I love the symbolism of that Mm -hmm. because it was her father speaking to her saying, be still. And that is so often, I know personally, the Lord often tells me, Lindy, I need you to be still. And in Psalm, that the reference there is Psalm 4610, and the interpretation literally is cease striving. Mm-hmm. cease striving, like stop what you're doing. And she even mentioned kind of having that perfectionism, striving yeah. personality. Control issues. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like yeah. my job was to mm-hmm. recruit people for this hospital, you mm-hmm. know. And so, again, I think there's something to pull for all women there. Yeah, she said at the beginning, you work hard, you succeed. That's That right. was her motto. That was her motto. And gosh, there's just something to be still. When, when you're constantly looking ahead and trying to fix things and mm-hmm. – you're trying to anticipate what's coming. And God knew and, she couldn't. Yeah. yeah. And so it's like, yeah. hey, be what what a word. And you know, for me, the thing that really stood out is when she talked about having the community, when Ashley McCrary yes. actually mm-hmm. talked yeah. to her, who is also one of our storytellers. We just reposted uh, her episode yep, in December. December. Go, mm-hmm. go back a few episodes and you can hear Ashley. But when she said, you know, you're a part of a group that you don't want to be a part of. But, you <laughs> know, I think what we've seen through storytellers over the years is the importance of community, especially when you walked through something specific. To have those women to lean on when life, when the rug is swept out from under you and your marriage ends very unexpectedly, to have that group of women who have walked that road. 
We have seen it time and time again. And it's one of the coolest part of storytellers is we all get texts or emails. We get messages from you all constantly of, hey, what episode was so-and-so? I want to share that story with a friend who's walking through that now. You know, we've seen widows groups develop. We've seen parents of children with special needs develop. There are so many areas. And so if this is you today and and you see, you know, you're hearing Mandy talk about this community that she has that's there to encourage her and you think, I want that. Pray and ask God for that. Look around you and say, hey, I've walked through this or I'm currently walking through this and I need someone who is a year ahead of me, two years ahead of me to walk with me beside this and give me wisdom. You know, ask the Lord for that. He will provide. We see it constantly. And and that's why it's one of our values. You know, we are all about women sharing stories so that their their faith is increased so that they find freedom in Christ and so that community is built. And that is exactly what you're talking about. You're talking about breaking down the walls in a community. And, and I think people use the word community flippantly, but this is a beautiful picture. It is the essence of community. It is women coming alongside each other, surrounded by mm-hmm. the Lord, surrounded by yeah. the same topic, exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. If he's done this for you, he will do this for me. Mm-hmm. It's believing that. And so... Y'all, thank you so much for listening. I hope that you are so encouraged by Mandy's story today. If this is a story that you have a friend that needs to hear, please share it. And Mandy talked about a lot of books in her episode. She talked about some songs, and those are all in our show notes. You've heard us talk about it over (laughs) and over this month. Um, But we have links to all of the books if there are things you're interested in, to the song on Spotify or Apple to listen to if you need hope and encouragement. And so those are there for you every single week. Thank you so much for listening. Tune in next week for another story of hope found in Jesus. And we will talk to you then. Bye. Bye.